0: I spent uh, three weeks in Israel. The uh, Abbey has this tour that they do every two years. And I went on it as a new priest. And I, one of the highlights to me was being able to go to Cana. And uh, when I got there, guess what I saw? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> because there's nothing left. There's no evidence of this story there because it's, you know, the house is long gone. But what you do see, you can see the area. And it's, it's near... It's near Nazareth, so it would have been a relatively short distance, and Mary was probably, a later tradition says that she was the sister of this, of this uh, person getting married, or a relative. So when you go there, though, you can see the, they have an example of the, of the um, large jugs that, that Jesus used to convert the water into wine. It was, they were used for washing of feet, and they were quite large in that day, about this tall, you know, 20-gallon uh, things And so that, anyway, you can see that. And the other thing that's of great interest in Cana is, of course, the souvenir shop. What do, you, what do they buy at Cana for a souvenir? What do you buy? Wine. 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 What kind of wine? Wedding wine, right? So I, as a new priest, I thought, oh, this is great. I do all these weddings. I'm going to buy some of these, give them as gifts to lucky couples, you know. And so I bought a six pack of these things, small bottles, and I put them in the suitcase and I brought them home. I gave one to this couple. I remember this couple. I had to think about who it was I gave it to. I only gave away one of them. She, she, I, she said, We were so thrilled to get a bottle of, of wine from Cana for our wedding. She said, We will, she said, I, I uh, how does she put this? She said, we used it for a recipe that called for vinegar. (laughs) So apparently, just be warned, although Jesus converted 150 gallons, it's all gone. Uh, (laughs) You can't buy it. (laughs) This wine was horrible. (laughs) So needless to say, I didn't give the other six away. I don't know what I did with those. Wish I still had one. Um, But Cana... um, is, is a kind, is a type, you know. Uh, priests, I have not myself um, planned a wedding banquet, but I have planned an ordination banquet, and I can tell you that that's just as difficult, it may maybe even more difficult. You got the same kind of guest list, but it's only me to plan it, so it's it's even harder in some ways. And uh, most of us have either planned one, been in one, or attended one. And you know, there's all kinds of things that go wrong at weddings and 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 the banquet afterward and this poor couple runs out of wine well in that era wine was the one thing you didn't run out of it was it was rather it was table wine so it was not high alcohol content but you would it was something that would flow freely for the whole thing which was five to seven days long imagine planning one that long huh so my ordination uh, party was was at South Salem as a couple there and uh, uh, and uh, in fact somebody that was there at the wedding it comes to church here now and I remember it was on a certain date in which it had never rained in Oregon what day was that? July 12th, well it's rained since then it had never rained and it was an outdoor, I thought surely it's July I can plan an outdoor reception in July rained all week and I you know, priests when they're ordained, they when they're laying on the ground, it's a very moving thing for everyone, including the, the they're called ordinance. And the I had a number of intentions in my pocket. One of them was that the Virgin Mary would, would pray for me throughout my life and and so the next day I was already calling on favors. I said, Mary I said, Mary, you, know, you remember my name your name was in my pocket. I said, Don't please tell your son that it won't rain today, you know. Anyway, it, it did not rain. Um so we it you know, we had the drought continued one more year after that. But I remember how, how things can happen at weddings. Now, the, the or at these kind of banquets, um, Jesus is just, remember, he spent 30 years at home. This is probably a relative or a close friend of Mary's, so that she, they knew Jesus very well. And Jesus has just come back from the, from the Jordan River, he's been baptized by John. In the previous chapter, he's gone around the Sea of Galilee and and picked up several disciples, probably about five at this point. And Mary's invited. And of course, the wedding invitation said, and if Jesus is here, we'd like him to come with you. There's no mention of Joseph. He's probably deceased by now. This is why people prayed to St. Joseph for a happy death, because it's assumed that somewhere along the line he died. there's a lot of questions about that. Uh, that's another homily, I guess. But so Jesus comes along and his disciples. You wonder if this couple, who is probably of limited means, like Mary and Joseph were, of the same social strata, if they realized how many disciples Jesus was bringing. And what profession four of them out of five had? Well, Five. Really, four fishermen and, and a tax collector come along. Matthew, of course, gave a, big, gave a big banquet filled with wine flowing when he was called, and fishermen, you know. So, Jesus, Mary comes up to Jesus, and she says, son, they have no more wine. The implication may have been, you know, you brought these guys. And... <laughs> Two hours later, they're running out of wine. (laughs) So Mary, of course, is one of these. And the culture of the time is the women would be helping with the serving. And of course, being a relative, she's in the kitchen there. And she sees that the couple's in trouble. They don't know what to do. They probably don't have any more money to go out and buy some more of this wine. There are people coming and going from the town. And the invited guests basically stay all week. And she is concerned. She's present. She notices what's needed. And she goes to her son to ask. Now notice here, there are things we don't always think about in this gospel. There are an infinite number of insights one can pull out of it. You could pray all week and get a different one. The abundance of God's, the graces that God pours out on us when we ask. But... The hidden nature of the miracle, that it occurred within a jug. Nobody actually saw it happen. They only tasted the results. But we look at this, and what's very interesting is Mary comes up to him, and she makes her request. She Notice she doesn't tell him what to do. Maybe she herself doesn't know quite what to do. She just knows that Jesus can take care of it. Now, how does she know Jesus can do something like this? There's no evidence of a miracle in the Gospels prior to Jesus' public ministry. Mary and Joseph must have seen Jesus perform some miracles at home. I'm reading between the lines here. The Bible invites us to speculate. It doesn't tell us, but Mary knew that Jesus could do something unusual here. That tells you something. There's more to the story than we know. So she, but she doesn't tell him what to do. And he responds with a very strange answer, doesn't he? If I were at a wedding with my mother, God rest her soul, uh, if I were 10 or 30, and I said to her, woman, get me a drink, (laughs) I wouldn't say it again. (laughs) So uh, in that culture, when you used the phrase "woman," it meant "lady," so it wasn't derogatory in any way. But still, you wouldn't call your mother "lady" either, and and they didn't in that culture. So, this is a theological term. Jesus is Mary now has a new role. See, she is inaugurating the beginning of Jesus's ministry. It begins when she asks, and she's there at the end. He calls her "woman" at the end uh, on the cross. So, these two bookends. She's now the mother of the church. Later, she'll be given to all of us through John. She's our mother, too. She is the woman, the new Eve, whose yes reversed the no that we all have said, and especially at the beginning. So, he says, it is not my concern. It is not your concern. What we learn from this, again, is that Jesus did not intend to help. He's there at a wedding. He's simply a guest. He does not want to upstage the bride and groom. You know, there's nothing more important than the bride at a wedding. You don't want anything to upstage her. Sometimes couples will tell me what they want to do at a wedding. One couple had a, 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 little, um, a little flower girl being pulled by a red wagon. I told her, please don't do that. She said, is the Catholic Church done the I said, no. I said, you'll get upstaged. <laughs> And she did, but who listens to the priest anyway, you know. But uh, you don't want to upstage the bride, but Jesus wants to stay in the background. It's not his time. He's just enjoying the wedding. We see this, this characteristic of the Lord in many places in the Bible. Begin to notice the pattern. The disciples are in the water, and it's... it's it's bobbing up and down, and Jesus is walking on the water. He did not intend to come to their aid. They were, at that time, it was his will that they struggle, but they spotted him, and then he came in the boat. It was not his intention originally to do that. The woman in, in Tyre who begged and begged, she was a pagan, and Jesus ignores her until she finally gets the best of him. The parable of the one that knocks at midnight. He said, keep knocking because the owner of the house is going to ignore you until you keep knocking. So this, this is a characteristic of our Lord. And, you know, the Lord, you know, we're all, uh, we're all made in the image of God, so we all have personalities, you know. The Lord has one, too. And it helps us to know how he acts in certain situations because the wedding of Cana is really about our relationship with Jesus and Mary and how we pray for others. How do you ask God for something? What is his response? He doesn't answer right away. He appears to ignore us or to have timing that is not what we want. He appears to not be interested in helping. This does happen. But Mary comes along, and this is not good theology exactly, but the Lord changes his mind. He allows himself to be influenced by Mary. Mother, I did not want to do this now, but because you're asking, I will. Now, this is very important because when we go to pray to God, as St. Teresa of Avila and many other mystics have pointed out, the best form of prayer for myself is to pray for someone else. If all I do is pray for myself, this is not always pleasing to God, who wants us to think of someone else besides ourselves. Say, Lord, you know what I need. Now, here are some needs of others. And, of course, we thank him first, don't we? We don't just go right in and say, this is what I want, and then leave. Um, Mary intercedes. So often, people will come up to me and say, Father, will you pray for me? And I I have a little prayer bowl. I put them in there. We have the prayer chain, and I pray with those. And we are called to pray for each other. All of us have, have prayed for someone. And the Lord answers prayers, particularly when we're asking for someone else. Sometimes we don't know what's best. I, sometimes I pray with someone who's dying. I don't know whether I should pray for a healing or for a happy death. The Lord knows. I say, Lord, your servant here needs some help. So Mary is waiting to help. We're all at a wedding of Cana, you know. At various times in our lives, we, we find that we're running out of wine in some circumstance in which there's too much being asked or not enough resources. You can, we can all think of times like this, and because we're, we're in a community of faith, and not everyone in our community is here on earth, we have family and friends and saints, the Virgin Mary is a part of each of our lives, she's the mother of the church, she's our spiritual mother, she's at the wedding banquet, if you will. And she's waiting to be asked. She notices that there's something that we lack. If we ask her to help, she'll know how to ask her son. After all, there's no human being that ever lived that knew him better than Mary. She, she raised him. He grew up with her. He knows, she knows things about him that nobody else knew. And she knows how to ask. So why not ask her for help? She's waiting to be asked asked and she will put in a good word for us but when she does she turns around and she speaks these words these are the last recorded words of the Virgin Mary in the scriptures and they are very simply do what my son tells you to do she says I'm going to put in a good word for you and I want you to do something for me listen to him and do what he says sounds pretty obvious but it sums up basically what the scriptures tell us about Jesus doesn't it see everything she says and does Points to Jesus. She doesn't point to herself. She's not there to glorify herself. She's there to present her son Jesus to us. Do what he tells you to do. And suddenly, we find that we are the wedding of Cana. The details vanish, and we ourselves are in the wedding. The wedding banquet, in a sense, is the kingdom of heaven with the abundance of God's graces and mercy. You can imagine them filling 150 gallons of wine. My gosh, that must have been quite a party. When Jesus said yes, he really went in, didn't he? But Mary stands there even today giving this same advice to us. I will intercede for you if you ask. You may not know what to ask for, but I do. I see more than you do. I've been been here all along. I'm a friend. I'm your mother. If you ask. But also, I ask you to do what my son tells you to do. If we follow that advice... No matter how low the wine gets in our lives, there will always be somebody that cares and will put in a good word for us.